This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Amen. You may be seated. I want to share a passage with you that I think reflects the message of an audience of one better than any other passage in the Bible. And so many times, uh, you know, the Bible says we're supposed to give an answer to what we believe. And yet, many of us um, are reflecting on our walk by what others believe of us more than what God believes in us. It's more important that we operate by what God believes in us than what other people believe in us. Our life, when we get in front of that throne in this song that Pastor Jenna just shared, is one day we're going to be in front of that place with Jesus himself, the judgment seat of Christ. And it won't be an experience of well, going over 2020. It won't be, um, you know, whether, you know, so much is you and your relationship with your marriage or your kids or whatever, or what many times what we identify our lives about. It's going to be about you and your personal walk with God. And I want to talk about um, uh, this passage, and I don't want to, this isn't going to be the message today, but if sometimes people want to, you say, well, Pastor, what, you know, why are you having services open today? Why are you doing what you're doing today? Um, I'm not here to compete with anybody that's in this world. I'm competing with me because God has a call on my life, and God has a call on your life, and that I'm going to answer to Jesus not answer to you, not answer to what's going on in this world one day and what I did with that calling. And did I allow the world to paint a picture that I can't fulfill that calling or am I allowing Christ to live in me to fulfill that calling? And here's what the passage says and it's found in 1 Corinthians 9 and it's not in your notes so if you might want to write it down but 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? Again, I'm not running against you, and you're not running against me. There's probably some people in this room I could beat. I know I can't beat my kids anymore. I had that race. Uh, but, um, and then there's, uh, you know, then there's others that uh, you can beat me. It does, that's not what it's talking about here. Everyone run, but I got to run against me and what God's called me to be. But only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Pastor Ron, run to win the calling that's in your life. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. Again, that's in this world. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training to do what it should do. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others... I myself might be disqualified. I pray that the things that have been a message in my life, that, that I'm living the message, not just preaching the message. Amen? 
Well, today, this is going to be our 11th, hey, I can't believe it, I was looking at that. This is the 11th message in raising the next generation. And I'm not sure when it's going to stop, because you know what, what's really come to me is, that's the whole point. That's why the church is in the the buckle that it's in, is because we haven't made it a point of raising the next generation. That's the whole essence of bragging about God. That's why we worship God. That's why we bring people. That's why we invite people. That's why God has you work. God didn't have you go to a workplace so that you can put food on the table. God had you go to a workplace where all of us work in different places so that you would brag about God, that you'd come, that you'd be a light in a dark place, that you could show the expression of God, whether you're welding or whether you're serving or whatever you're doing, so that you would express who God is in that situation, that scenario. That's the whole point of why we're here, that we are bearing ambassadors of the kingdom of God to show who God is. And so we've been going through this, um, and maybe you're, it's first time here, so you know, try to catch up with some of the, the past week's messages. But we're going through this tenant meeting, and as an example of something that God had built, and, and to maybe just in really quick um, review to help you, there are three million people in the book of Exodus going through a journey. And God right away, early on, wants to have this relationship with them. And he desires to have it personal. And so he takes them out of this wilderness, and, he, and, he, and, and whenever God shows up, how many realize that God's a big deal? And so when God shows up on a place, he even downsizes it. He steps on this mountain, and the whole place, because that's who God is, it starts shaking. And it's filled with smoke because he can't, you know, you can't see in the glory who God is because your eyes literally would be blinded. We got perfect examples of that in the Bible where people all of a sudden got in the presence of God literally physically and they're blinded for the moment. So God creates a smoke screen so they won't lose their physical eyesight and he shakes this old mountain. He says, come to me. And the people are going, uh, no, I can't do that. So God goes, okay, Moses did it. But I get it, these people don't know how to do it, so what I'm going to do is, he brings Moses up into Havilah, gives him this huge tent of meaning, builds this whole uh, worship center so that people could, because literally what worship is, is for you to adore, for you to ascribe greatness to a deity. That deity is God. And I know that today, we have so much worship of man and so much worship of ourselves, we don't really understand worship of a deity. Amen? And so God is that deity. Amen? He's that God. He's the one. And so God creates this place so that we can learn how to worship him. And that it's a journey. And that there's depths in this worship. And yet so many of us today, we can, we have, we've come into a worship center and we have a great team. Thank God. It's always growing. It's a great team that helps us come into praise and worship. But let me tell you something. If that's all you taste, it's all you smell. And by the way, there's a fragrance that's going through the building today. Hopefully you can smell it, all right? And we did that on purpose because we're going to be talking about the altar of incense today. And that the people of God, there would be three million people around this tent of meeting and they could smell God. And you know that great smell wanted you to come in. And so if I could just... Maybe make this, and I, and God, please forgive me if I'm making it too simple. If I could help you understand that God wants you to go on dates with him. That's what he wants. He wants you to court him. Now, I realize that, that in seeing 
and, and remembering it's been a while since I was, you know, first dating my wife. And sometimes I need to come back to that place because of courtship where I was nervous about it and I was excited about it and I was wondering where it was going to go and if it was going to go further and, and didn't know if this was the one. You know, and if I remember that whole, that whole anticipation of it. That's what God's longing for because maybe he's the one, but what he's longing for is that in that courtship that he's got so many plans for you. And that he's got things that you can't even imagine. In fact, the Bible says things that you can't even imagine he wants you to experience. Things that you can't even partake in. You're not gifted yet, but he's going to put those gifts inside of you. And that's the purpose of that courtship. But yet so many Christians today, what they do, and again, let's get this picture. There's three millions. Can we put up the, we have the tent of meeting thing up? Can we put that old picture? They're outside, and they can smell this fragrance. The, the, the only time, and at night, the only place that's really lit is the, remember we talked about last week, is the golden lampstand, so there's light always there. And so they recognize, they want to court God, they want to get close to God. By the way, they don't have TV, they don't have music, they don't have, they, they don't have all of the things that we have today. There's not all these distractions. I mean, the main course of attraction is this tent. I mean, they're, they're setting their tents toward the tent. Everybody's, you know, their TV, if you will, or, the, you know, York furniture, like today, you're, if we face it toward our TV today, their, their, their uh, bed and, and their chairs and everything else was facing the courtroom of God. And so they have this desire to want to get closer to God. Now, what they don't have is what you have. They don't have a New Testament experience unless they were, unless they were favored to be a Levite or a priest, all right? And so they couldn't go into the Holy of Holies area. They couldn't go into the inner core area that we've been talking about. All they could do is they could smell the fragrance, and then they could go up, and they could go to the first brazen altar. That's where they stopped. But that was enough for them to want more. Do you want more of God? You have a longing on the inside. The, you know what the Bible says in the book of James? It says that you, there's the Holy Spirit inside of you lusteth to envy more of God. That's what it does. You know, we, were, we, we think of the word lust, and all of a sudden you think, bleh, bad. That Satan twists everything. He makes it for worse. God created it, and God created inside of you to lust in for wanting more of God, to desire, to be, have such a desire to go. And these people, these three million people, because they had all of Egypt around them, one of the wealthiest nations in the world, well, does it sound like America? They had all these things in America, everything that they could imagine, even though they weren't really grabbing hold of it, and then all of a sudden, God gave that to them as an inheritance. Can you imagine you're raised generation after generation, and you're a slave, and you see all the riches that you're giving to the people you're enslaved by, and in one day, God gives it all to you. That's exactly what happened to the children of God. In one day, all the riches of Egypt were given to them, and now they're on this journey in the wilderness. I love the picture, because God's going over there and saying, look, I've given you all the riches, but what's the true rich? What's the true riches? So the inside of them, they were still like the garden, wasn't it? There was still the test to say, look, I know that I'm bringing you in the garden of God, I'm bringing you into my presence, but you can still, you're going to have to re recognize that you're not sitting there just poor, impoverished people, now you're rich beyond measure. And what are you going to give? 
What are you going to give? These aren't these, these aren't these poor, poverty people walking on into this wilderness. They are wealthy people now that are now offering these gifts. What are they doing? They're going to that brazen altar. They're offering sacrificial lambs. They're offering the doves. They're offering of oil. They're offering fragrance. They're offering their slice. They're free will offering, not something they're compelled to do. and not compelled because some of you are here because mom and dad made you come. Or maybe your husband, maybe your wife come. They're not, they're not doing it because they have to be here. They're doing it because they want to be in the presence of God. They long. They have this longing that I can't, there's nothing else that satisfies me. I may be wearing the jewelry. I may be wearing the garments of my, you know, my master or my mistress that was before. I may be wearing all that, but I don't care about this. I want to just be in the presence of God. And we're going to read a scripture in a little bit. It talks about the great man of God, David, who did this. So now, all that they could do is they could go to that brazen that brazen altar, and that was enough. But here's the thing that they heard, and this is what we're missing, church. They knew what was in the inner court because the generation around them, the priests talked about it. We are the most silent, powerful kingdom people, and we wonder why the church is struggling where it is because we don't talk about it. We don't brag about how the powerful God is. What if, what if nothing happens? What if, what if he doesn't show up the way I think he should show up? Or what if something, you know, what if I, you know, if I, what if I step over my own tongue and, and don't say it all right? Or what if I, I mean, we have so many things that we're literally chained to. When we talk about singing, break the chains, but we're the most chained up people ever. And God is saying, Pass it on to the next generation. Pass it on. What, pastor? Pass on how big and how great God. Let me tell you something. God gave you five senses. Are all of those connected to God? Today, your nose is. We worked on that today. We threw some fragrance into place so that your nose would be in touch with fragrance. Well, the Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good. God gave a fragrance. We're going to talk about, did you know that your prayers are literally the sweet smelling to God that every time you pray with your heart engaged, it offers up a fragrance to God in what he smells. We'll talk about it in Scripture and Revelation. How about sight? Last week we went over the golden lampstand. And Jesus is the actual branch that comes right out in the middle. And then the six, you know, it talks about the six um, aspects of the Holy Spirit that are literally branches of Jesus. The spirit of might and the spirit of counsel, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of the fear of God. These six branches of the Holy Spirit in the fullness. And Jesus had the spirit without measure because these six aspects of the Holy Spirit were always engaged in God. And that's what lights our life is that Holy Spirit, all those areas. And we're not going to again go into that. that's last week's message. And so... If we could, I would like to get it, um, if we could get the altar of incense up there, if we could put it up there. This, this thing, if you were to look at it, in fact, it wasn't much different than this size. It was 18 by 18 inches, and uh, I think this is just a little more of a rectangle, um, but it was close, and it was 36 inches high, okay? It was 36 inches high, and it had a, a, a crown molding, all the things that God had in the inner court were, were, were crowned so that things wouldn't spill over. God was tidy. Everything about God is tidy. 
Okay? And so he had this crown molding around it, and it was overlaid with gold. And there's obviously these fragrances that had to be specifically mixed, and I don't want to go in there because I honestly, it doesn't matter, it, it really mattered because what I found is this, is that my prayers now are this sweet fragrance that God has. And what happened, and what was significant about this is that right on the other side of this this altar of incense, and there was horns. I know this doesn't really demonstrate it well because up there it's better. You see those four horns? What those four horns represented is the, the four directions, north, south, east, and west. And that your prayers extend north, south, east, and west. And that's what they were for. For us to understand that God doesn't miss, and that those horns basically always they represent His authority. So that when they would come into this place, this altar of incense, that there was authority that was represented inside of the prayers. But before you, but before you got into that place of authority, there was always this place. Because see, I think most of us miss because when we look at gold today, obviously um, we can look at our, I can look at my ring, and and or we can look at other fragrances or, or other other pictures of what gold is. It's not pure, and I know it's really hard because gold in its purest form is literally transparent. And when you think of gold, automatically you think of a color. But gold in its purest form, if every impurity was brought out of gold, if it was heated to its measurement, where every impurity, every dross, everything that could be caught, because this is impure, all of it could come out, it would be completely see-through. And so what we have is that that's what God wants. He wants you completely transparent. You're not hiding anything. You are who you are in God, and you realize that you come with your weaknesses. You come with your, your, you know, you come as you are with God, but at the same time, what's going to happen is through this reflection is God himself reflects. He says, I know who you are, but I am in you and who we are together. And so as your prayers come in, as a free, sweet fragrance, it comes from this place of going, oh God, I'm a sinner and I've, I've messed up with my marriage, I've messed up with my kids, God. God, I've messed up with my, in the church family, I've messed up at the workplace, I've said the things I shouldn't have said, I've not done said the things I should have, God. And God knows all of this. You say, why is it so important? Because you need to reflect your soul. You need to reflect who you are. You need to confess who you are so that God can download who he is in your life. Otherwise, you're carrying all who you are, and God's trying to put himself in your life, and all they do is compete with one another. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. And this is so fresh in my life, you guys. I want to know, I'm going through a journey myself with God that's so precious, but yet so hard. And I realize what I'm recognizing is every time I come into the God, closer and closer to God, that I have two things at war in my life. One is condemnation. I don't belong here. I'm not worthy of it. And Satan just, and by, by the way, condemnation's never, 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 never God. It's easy to say, hard to apply. Easy to say, hard to apply. Okay? The Bible says in, um, in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, what? He gave his only God's son that whomsoever would believe. What does John 3, 17 say? Anybody know? Thank you. I didn't come in this world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Jesus did not come here to condemn. 
So condemnation's never of God, never, 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 okay? But again, easier to say, hard to apply, all right? So what is conviction? So many times we lose sight and we think conviction and condemnation same. Conviction is this. God comes in your soul, comes in, into your situation because you've been bearing your soul. Isaiah 66, God says, when you come to me, what could you really do? What could you build? I mean, I'm a builder. What could I really build that would impress God? Nothing. Business, church, marriage. I mean, do you realize that everything that God has, even though I, I could be doing a really, and I have a great marriage, but with God it could be better, amen? With more of God it could be better, amen? So I could have a, be a really good parent, a really good grandparent, but with God, with more of God, and then it could be better. Every, that's what conviction is. It pulls me in and says, God, you can do more in my life. I long to be more of you, less of Ron. And so I come into this courtroom, and so let's, let's do it really quickly here, again, for review. I come... And the Psalms wonder hence, I enter his what? Gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. His court. Now I want you to think of a, a different one. I'm courting God. Now, I court God in different areas. Because some of you, that's your problem. You allow God in certain areas, but not others. So I court God with praise. God, I praise you for what you're doing in my marriage. I praise you for what you're doing with my kids in where I'm struggling. I praise you for I know that your plans are higher than mine and your ways are much higher. I praise you, God. I want to see you. I want to declare your ways and your directives in my, in my, with my kids and my grandkids. I praise you in the church, God. Today, the church is so hard to lead. I praise you, God, though. This is the hour that you put me here. And I'm, again, I don't lose thanks because I entered this place, I can't go back and forth, I entered this place with thanksgiving. So now I'm praising him, I'm going to another place, all right? And then what happens is in that situation is all of a sudden I, get, I feel this, this condemnation going, man, but it's not really working well, the church is less full than it's ever been, and, 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 there's, and, and so my, my thoughts are not his thoughts, my ways are not his ways, and all of a sudden, what do I do is I go and I realize that God made me a priest. He wants me close to him. That's what he wants. And so I'm, I'm beginning to go over there, and I'm, I'm washing my hands of, of all what I've done or what I haven't done, and, and I'm washing where I've walked, and I'm, I'm cleansing myself because I'm I'm, now I'm going in, and now I'm in that inner place. And last week, we talked about this, you know, the golden lampstand. All right, and so I want to read a passage to you, if I could, in uh, this study because never have I you know, understood it greater, the importance of courting God. And you have five senses God gave you. He gave you, you know, um, hearing, smelling, tasting, seeing, and touching, okay? Do you realize that God wants all those areas engaged with him? All of them. And so here we are, and we're coming in, and we're smelling. Outside, they say that this fragrance would go to up to a quarter mile outside the tent. You could smell the fragrance of God. So I'm drawn to God because of my, my smells. I'm drawn to him. 
And I'm also drawn to where he is because remember what the lampstand is? I'm drawn to him because he is light. Do you realize in heaven there is no sun, there's no moon because God's essence is light. He is light, wherever he is. So there will be no shadows in heaven because it's all light, lit up everywhere. So I'm drawn to his light. I'm going in there, I'm in that place, I'm drawn to his light. So now we've got the smell, and I'm hearing what's going on because the praises of his people, because all around, there's three million people longing to be in his presence. There's praise, there's singing going on, there's a melody going on. In fact, we talk about let there be a melody in your heart go on. There's this melody going on. So I'm hearing, I'm seeing, I'm smelling, and oh, oh what did I, we just talk about? Now I'm, I'm touching. I'm touching. All right? So what else do we have? We have hearing. We have smelling. We have, what is the one we haven't had? Taste. And what does the Bible says? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, what happens is the taste is one of the only things that has, is so personal and is so interactive. Okay? Hearing, I can hear things from afar off. Touching, going over there. When I start touching things, obviously I'm close. I'm getting closer. Seeing, I can see things even farther than I can hear things. Although that's getting worse. All right? <laughs> all right? But I can go over there. Now, what's happening is all of my senses are drawn, and all of those that God gave me were to draw me into, He didn't give them to me so I could taste and have this of this world. They were meant for Him first. Not, God will share everything He's given to me for others, but they were meant for Him first. And so the audience who wants, so now I'm in this place, drawn, tasting, seeing, hearing, and what God wants goes, now I'm in that place of reflection. And by the way, here's the thing I want to hit, hit God hit me is quality time. You know, uh, Gary, I think it's Gary Smalley said this, there's five love languages. What God has touched me this whole week through this message is God is a God that wants quality time. If I look back and you know what, I don't give God quality time like I should. You know what I give God the most? Anxious time. When things are just, ah, you know, and then I'm, 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 whoop, I'm quick, right? Or I give him time when everybody else is giving him time and I'm engaged with everybody else. But it's not personal quality time. Now, I love, absolutely adore Spending time with my wife, with my grandkids. I love to watch her. She's just an amazing grandmother, an amazing mother. But let me tell you something. I, I need quality time with her. Because my heart needs to have that time just with her. I need that. If you don't want quality time with somebody that you're close to, there's something hurting inside of you. And you need to deal with it. And we're not here to talk about that today. But quality time with God. What I caught myself is that when am I praying? Well, I pray really quick before the meal, right? Is that quality time? No. It's the right thing to do. Jesus went over there. He did, how much time did Jesus take praying for the food? Thanks. He ate. That was it. Because it's not the same thing. It's not about quality time. It's adoration, recognition. He's the provider. I'm just saying thank you for providing. 
And what I've realized that in my own personal walk, because what has been passed on to me is that the only time we pray is right before we eat. So when we're raising the next generation, the only time we're really raising the next generation to pray is when we eat. That's not quality time. You say, well, it's really hard. That's why I think it's so important that Jesus, he would, you know, get with his disciples. He'd hang out with them for a little bit, and he'd pray with them, and then he'd go, yeah, this is cool and everything. I'm going to go get my own. And he'd pull away. Why? Because he needed his quality time. You know what that quality time is? It's the altar of incense. Audience of one. Reflection of who you are in his eyes. Seeing who all God wants to be in your life and through your life. You know what people we're spending so much quality time with today? Is the world. And the picture the world has of us. And our reflection is, is what we can't be or what, we, what other think, people think we should be, and that's not about who Christ is in our lives. What is the reflection you're getting in that quality space with God? I want to go through some points so we can try to help you follow, if I, if I could. As God's priests, we offer sacrificial lives to keep perspective or how big God is. So when we come to God, we offer up our lives to Him at the brazen altar, we offer, say, God, I don't belong here. I know I'm not, this isn't really, I'm, I'm not worthy of this place, but because of what you offered, you want me here. Here's, I guess the word is this, is that I, I don't really have the right to be here, but you want me here, and so I'm here, God. God wants you in that space with him, knowing your sin, Knowing the things that you are afraid of, knowing things, and yet God wants you to be close. Who doesn't want to be wanted? All of us, we, our whole, our whole uh, membership class, if you could call it, is a place to belong because we realize that God put in us, we want to belong. God wants you to know that you belong to Him. Number two is God had many stops for His priest. Do you realize how many stops he had? He's going in here, he goes, can't get in unless he's what? He's thankful, we've got one of you. Can't get in unless he's what? Thankful. And once he's thankful, he goes right to that brazen, he offers up a sacrifice, he offers up a free offering for himself, and then eventually, we're not gonna get into that, he also offers it for the people. So he realizes that all of these things he's going through, then he goes and, and comes to the brazen altar, he goes over there and, and he washes his hands and his feet, so he gets his experience, goes, I don't belong here, I, he changes his garment, but you want me here. I need to have a change in my appearance and who I am because you have made me different. You've not made me for this world, you've made me for your presence. And you, you know what? And because this world has literally changed me into something I'm not supposed to be, I got to go through all of these little details. And God has us now come into this holy of holies. Now he's in this inner court, the tent. Goes through, opens up that, and he starts taking care of and tending this lampstand. What do you think's going on with this? He goes, man, God, you're so powerful almighty, all knowledge, all wisdom, all understanding, full of might, 
Fear grips his being as he's in the place, realizing just a few feet away, the actual presence of God is on, you know, on basically sitting on a throne. And God's saying, I want you close, son. I want you close, daughter. I created, I sent my son to go through unbelievable brutality so that you could take this space to be with me and this close to be with me today. Would you please take this quality time with me today? I'm going to read um, a passage. I think that, uh, Jonathan, do you have Psalms 84 up there? All right, could you guys just put it up on the screen? Psalms 84 has been one of my favorite passages of, as I got, you know, as I got closer and closer to Jesus and taking time to be in his presence and, and even understanding David because, you know, David is, this guy's highly emotional. Um, he's leading God's people. He makes, when he makes mistakes, he makes them big. And when he makes wins, he makes them, he makes them big. He just, whatever he does, he does it big. And, and so I, this passage always kind of reflected David's real heart. This is why I knew that David and God had a, you know, no matter what David was doing, right or wrong, this is where his true heart and true north were. This is what he really wanted to be. Psalms 84.1, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord, of heaven's armies. By the way, how would he know that when he wasn't a priest? Because somebody told him. Somebody shared about his dwelling place. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, bodies and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. And even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at a place near your altar, O Lord of heaven's armies. My King, my God, what joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praise. Here's a king that wished he was a priest. Next. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. They will continue to grow stronger, and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. O Lord, God of heaven's armies, hear my prayer. Listen, O God of Jacob. So can you see before we go any further, you can put the next verse up there. He's entering his gates with, he's in his courtroom of praise. He's in the courts of praise right now. And God has taken and said, oh God, if I could be, look at that, oh God, look with favor upon the king, our shield. Show favor to the one you have anointed. A single day in your court, a single day in this courtroom of your presence, God. You and the lampstand lighting up my life, God, with the fear of God and the knowledge of God and the understanding of God and the might of God. Oh God, in the courtroom of your presence, I get rid of all of the people, my, my adversaries. I get rid of all my situations. I get rid of COVID. I get rid of what's going on in my workplace. I get rid of what's going on in my marriage. Get rid of all of these things, God. Oh, I could just take one place to be in your courtroom, God. And I praise you for this place. I can smell you. I can taste you. I can see you. I can understand you. I want this quality time with you. And all of a sudden, he gets, you can feel it. He's getting pulled back into his problems, just like you do. 
He gets pulled back into all of a sudden the bill that's not paid. He gets pulled back into, you know what, all of the people in the workplace and who did I, who was I around that had COVID? He gets pulled back into in the other idea of, of what's going on in, in their workplace. Or am I, you know what, because I just thought somebody just lost their job or, or is this company going to stay even open? I get, he gets pulled back. What's going on with the church family and all the things that are going on? Even Pastor Jenna struggled with this thing. He gets pulled back or she gets pulled back in a situation and all of a sudden he goes, no, I will not. I will not allow this to draw me back. I will press into the courtroom even further. A single day, a single moment in your court is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather to be a gatekeeper in the house of my God. I'd rather just stay right at the Thanksgiving space, even though I can't get into that inner court. I'd rather be a gatekeeper of my God than live in the good life of the homes of the wicked. For the Lord God is our son. He's my shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. Body of Christ, is that you? That's not me many times. That's not me. And I think about this altar of incense and what God's going to do. That's prayer. And I'm going to be kind of just, if I can just be just real with you. (laughs) The other day, just this week, as I was, I've been, just dwelling on this whole courtroom experience in the holy of holies and realizing this is where God wants me to be in his presence. I was in the bathroom and I started praying. And I got a picture, I went, this is not what God was talking about. (laughs) This is, God put on a new garment God drew, and he, and he made sure he washed his hands and his feet, and it just hit me, I, I, please, I'm not saying that you shouldn't pray always, but what I'm saying is this, that many times it's convenient instead of quality. My wife and I do not have quality time when I'm in the bathroom. If, if that's just too real for you, I don't care, <laughs> okay? That's what we have to... God wants me all the time, but that's what we've done. We've made it common. We made it convenient. We've not taken this journey into the court of God, into a holy place with God, and got a true reflection of of bearing our souls so that God could bear who he is. He goes, I am who I am in your life, son. I want my might inside of you. I want my fear and reverence inside of you. And he just baptized me in that fear and reverence. I just stopped praying at the moment. I said, God, I am sorry for making it common. You are worthy. I can take the time. I can wash my hands. I can get out of this place and worship you. Can you, that's not going to be a worship center, a bathroom. And I just really recognize what I've made of it. Not what God made of it. You know, we've made it so well, God takes you always as you are. Can we put up that really quick on the screen? He does. He takes us, the, the, the tent of meeting, I'm sorry, the tent of meeting. Yes, all of us can come to that brazen altar as we are. But we leave that brazen altar and we come into the holy holies as a priest with new garments on. Do you want just an experience at the brazen altar? 
Is that only place you want to go? Or you want to come in to the holy of holies with God where you can get a reflection of who God is in your life, where you can taste and see and smell and, and hear everything that God has. So many of us Christians going, why aren't we seeing all God has? Because we've made it common. We've not made it holy. God, God told Moses right away, he says, take your shoes off, dude, where you're coming is holy. And we've made it that way. And if I, as a pastor, have conveyed that to you, I am truly sorry. Truly sorry in my own heart. If I have conveyed an approach to God that was so symptomatic that he wasn't a big deal and that you could get closer and closer and closer to the presence of an almighty God, to revere, to adore, to ascribe to a deity that God has went through a lot of detail to get you in his presence. Will you go through a lot of detail to get in his presence? Why can't we not meet God where he wants us to meet him? Is he not holy enough, good enough, adoring enough? During this worship service, whether you're watching right now live or watching it later, I pray that you rend your hearts to him. God says, oh, that my people would humble themselves, cry unto me, plead for their land, not for your party, but plead for your land. And ask God to first move in your heart. Say, God, I don't care what's going on. I don't care what's going on here. I ascribe to your greatness, your majesty. You're worthy of all my life. And God, I am so sorry that I made so much about me. And I am so sorry that I've made so much about them. God, I am so sorry I have not ascribed to you first. So Lord, here's my heart. Take it, do what you will with it. God, I pray that your greatness flows through my speech, through my touch, through my ears, through my taste, God, through my sight. I pray that quality time, I'm sorry, Father, that I have not given you your worthy time. Thank you for always chasing me, always making it, you longing for time with you. And God, from my blindness of soul, again I say, I'm sorry. And I pray that my eyes could be lit up to knowing the sacrifices you've made, the free offering you've made, your own son, that I may even be in your presence that I may get this close and longing for even a closer. Father, that you long to be with students tonight. Even though they could go through a smash and whatever thing game, that's not what it's about. Lord, you would share the craziness of this world and the experience of this world for one cause, to get one more heart in your presence. Thank you, God for loving us that much that you would share 
and work within the nonsense of our environment. Thank you for that. Please bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, we long and we are starting to understand through this journey, first of all, thank you. I thank you on a personal note. God, I pray that you could just help your your kids see and journey with you too. That it would be personal to them, even during this worship time. With your heads bowed and your eyes shut, if you're not ready to take one step with Jesus, and yet your heart literally is shaking, troubled in this very moment, because you don't have blessed assurance that Jesus is yours. Take this moment right now. You can by giving your heart to him. If that's you and you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal savior, I want you to raise your hand. Nice and high, so that's me. Please pray for me today. Is there anybody in our audience today? I believe there are some watching it right now that don't know him. So would you please pray with me? and with them too. Say, Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, we thank you for drawing us close through Jesus Christ. We accept his forgiveness. We accept his love, his desire of a personal relationship in our life. You made it personal, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, we are all yours. Amen. Let's stand up and let's worship our King. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.